Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Melvin, and please don't forget about me. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a non-spoiler Christian movie podcast where we sit at the table of cinema and eat. Tonight we'll be dining on Andre Overdahl's scary stories to tell in the dark. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has memories of exploring the school library, finding a book on the shelf with these weird, creepy short stories, and marveling at the horrifying artwork. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was probably the coolest thing about elementary school, and flipping through each volume was a lot of fun. I distinctly remember being creeped out by one of the short stories similar to the whole Bloody Mary folklore, where someone would enter a bathroom and turn out the lights, stare in a mirror, and chant the name three times to reveal a freaky creature before them. Heck, I remember being so scared to use the bathroom, I would check behind the shower curtain, and that wasn't even part of the story. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was my first foray into horror as a kid, and I'm sure its film adaption will do the same for many preteens. To dig in further, let's start with a synopsis. It's Halloween night, and Stella, Augie, Chuck, and Ramon sneak into a haunted house. A mysterious, fenced-off property that's rumored to house a malevolent spirit. One that tells scary stories. All it takes is to ask her politely, tell me a story. And she'll create something sinister, vile, and frightening, culminating in the death of anyone who hears them. When Stella stumbles upon this spirit's ancient book, she can't help but whisper, tell me a story. And soon, the pages of this tomb begin writing themselves, fulfilling her childish wish. Soon she realizes her mistake, as each of her friends start to go missing, each one correlating to a page within the book. Can she and her friends find out how to stop these stories from coming true? Only if they can solve the greatest story of all. Who is this spirit, and why does she tell the stories? Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is rated PG-13 for terror violence, disturbing images, thematic elements, language including racial epithets, and brief sexual references. Aptly described as a preteen horror, this film is quite tame despite its lengthy certificate. The terror violence along with the disturbing images has to do with the strange nature of each short story that's adapted from the Scarecrow Herald to the Spiderbite story, but everything shown lacks any gore or viscera. Even so, such segments is still quite visual, and even the last story can be considered quite frightening. The language is sparse, although all muttered by preteens and teenagers, so that can feel a bit uncomfortable, and the racial slur is also uttered by a rather sinister teenager, so it's something to be aware of. The sexual references has to do with a particular character's pen, which features an image that changes based on the ink. It's unbelievably brief, and about as childish as you'd expect from some immature teenage boy, but it's still dumb. First things first, I think it's awesome that this film is largely an age-appropriate horror film. I love that. Despite it being rather frightening at times, the film takes itself seriously, takes teenagers seriously, and takes its audience seriously. All those factors make for a good teenage film, as nobody likes to be patronized, be it parents, teenagers, or general audience-goers. Although some story beats can be a big eye-roll, this is the sort of thing that is both easy to digest and meaningful. First off, the film is easy to digest because it isn't all that abrasive. There are some horrifying moments in this film that have little to do with graphic violence, viscera, or anything that would otherwise immediately shock someone. 
That sounds like a really stupid sentence when talking about a horror movie, and I'll take that on the forehead, but it makes sense when calling this a preteen horror movie. In other words, nobody is shrieking bloody murder while they're being torn limb from limb, and we're not witnessing cartoonish violence that tears people apart. It's more like Dr. Octopus's hospital scene from Spider-Man 2 or the boardroom scene in Shazam from earlier this year, except 90 minutes in length rather than a simple short scene. And I've said it before, I think it's good to get a little scared from time to time, especially as a teenager. And by that, I mean the kind of scared you willingly walk into, the sort of curiosity that lingers like a pang in your side. To ease that pang, you can sometimes take something for it, you can do some stretches, but other times it's just going right into it, getting into something spooky, reading it, and learning that you enjoy it. Although, I suppose nobody ever really enjoys a pang in their side, but I'm sure you understand what I mean. Maybe I should have just said itch. Yeah, I'll go with itch. Sometimes it's like an itch, and you find out that scratching it just feels really good. I'm not going to argue that someone should get their family and go out and see this movie. I just mean this sort of film is just the kind of thing that if I was a kid, I wouldn't have stepped out of this traumatized. In fact, I would have thought it was like the coolest thing ever. It's something like a crazy roller coaster ride. It's the sort of thing that you go, I can't wait to get on that because I know it's going to scare me. In fact, to run on that metaphor, this film is basically a theme park attraction, or several. It creates a light connective tissue between each short story that originally stands on its own in the original collection. Because of this evil, vengeful spirit that tells stories, we have a comfortable catalyst that helps to push the film's story forward while also visiting memorable anecdotes that all gave us shivers in our third grade classrooms. It's fun. It's not perfect, but it's fun. Now I admit I could end the review right there and be done with it, but I think there's something cool about this film being just that. Not perfect, but fun. So many films nowadays seem to strive for greatness, and as one who likes arthouse pictures and other obscure media, I cannot tell you how many films I've watched where someone takes their project so seriously that it falls apart into a wonderfully pretentious delusion. It's the sort of thing you can't help but go, Goodness gracious, you thought that was a good idea? Now, Scary Stories is about as far from that as it gets. This film is cute, fun, goofy, exciting, and nothing short of comfortable. It's the sort of film that's made by someone who feels at home behind the camera. It's not afraid to live a little and do familiar stuff to get to the weird stuff. Let me build on that. For instance, the familiar stuff is the storytelling aspect. If you've seen Goosebumps with Jack Black, you might also suspect that this is like the exact same movie based on the premise. If you've seen Stranger Things or anything else that's essentially kids on bike find out weird thing, then you'll sink right into the nostalgic vibes. There is a lot about this movie that we've seen before, and most of the time I find that rather boring, but this time I didn't. And I think that's because I knew the source material can be so weird, so bonkers, so outlandish, that I needed something familiar to fall back on. And on the weird stuff, if you're not familiar with scary stories to tell in the dark, they can get incredibly weird. As for the film, we're treated to fatal cases of what I will be calling hay bale syndrome and help please I just stubbed my toe and can't find it anymore. All that said, my wife had the exact opposite experience. In fact, she found the film boring from start to finish, even saying that it felt a lot like Wish Upon, which is this really, really dumb horror movie from last year that is just brain dead, where all the dialogue felt distractingly expository and embarrassing. So, I don't know. Now, although I enjoy this version of the film enough, 
I think it would have been cool to see a good old anthology film that simply adapted the short stories. Or perhaps it has the same plotline that there's a spooky ghost that tells stories and each one is a callback to one of the short stories, but rather than have one director do the whole film, have popular horror directors come in and shoot each short story in their own way while the grand story at large connects them all. As disorienting as that could be for a general audience, I think that would have been a really cool way to show how each story has its own way of carrying itself, has its own message, has its own scares and characters and horrors and frights. Or maybe go the Cloverfield route and create a franchise of one-off films that evoke different stories but aren't really connected. Or if they are connected, it's only noticeable by the title of the film and clues hidden throughout. It's fun to dream, but I suspect that won't be the case if there's a sequel. Cloverfield shouldn't have been that way anyway. Matt Reeves' original idea for a Cloverfield sequel seemed way more interesting than what we got in 10 Cloverfield Lane, but let's save that for a different episode of Cinematic Doctrine. Interestingly enough, Overdahl said that when the script first landed on his lap, he was worried it was going to be pitched as a hardcore anthology film. The kind that's very strictly one short film after another for about an hour and a half. He was pleased to find out that the film was a single story from start to finish that simply had events scattered throughout with light moments that evoked certain short stories. Guillermo del Toro was originally planned to direct scary stories after his Best Picture winner The Shape of Water, but after choosing not to, he recommended Andre Alverdel take a crack at it. Alverdel remembered a quote of del Toro's that an anthology film is never as good as the best story and always as bad as their worst and this likely helped to keep the film from getting too risky. But Averdell didn't want risky, he wanted fun. And I've said it before, this film is simply that. It's fun. And that's cool, because even he had a lot of fun reading the script, going back to the old days of Amblin films and recognizing that Scary Stories was the kind of movie he would have wanted to see growing up too. Although I don't think Scary Stories is the greatest film as far as nostalgic bike riding adventures are concerned, there's a lot of heart behind this film, a lot of respect for the source material, and a lot of fun that went into its production, all successfully making for an exciting theater experience. And although not everything landed perfectly, our packed theater was very animated and reacted well to the comedy, frights, and pretty much everything else that makes up this movie. That alone makes it a film worthy of its time, and although my wife didn't care for it, I thought it was a real joy. Besides, this is, like, my podcast anyway, not hers. <laughs> And with that, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you've seen Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, what did you think of it? Did you enjoy the careful recreations of Stephen Gamble's frightening illustrations, or did you find the movie a snooze fest and a half? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let me know in a comment below, or shoot me an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. And if you're on Letterboxd, I have a list compiling every movie I've reviewed on Cinematic Doctrine with direct links to those episodes. By the way, I made a guest appearance on Shattercast, a Christian YouTube roundtable discussion about various geek culture topics where we talked about Spider-Man Far From Home. Check that out for some interesting and insightful thoughts. And also if you want to see my face. If you'd like to support the show, jump on over to Cinemac Doctrine's Facebook page and be sure to follow for updates on episodes, movie news, and my usual shenanigans. You can also support the show by leaving a review for Cinemac Doctrine on your respective podcast app. All this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, 
and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks, too. But let's be real. The podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.